Good evening, Patriots. And it is Sunday, July 31st in the year 2022. East Coast, you have now hit Monday. <laughs> I'm glad you're there first. That's all I can say. Say, if you're looking for some great coffee, there's nothing like the new coffee for regular daily drinking. Just regular good old American roasted organic coffee from my coffee. It's my coffee at the my store. So you head on over to mystore.com forward slash bards, mystore.com forward slash bards. And there you're going to find my coffee right on top. You click on that and there's three roasts. There's the light, the medium and the dark, and they all taste great. And I have tried every one of them and I'm a coffee snob. I think you all know that. I don't even mind saying it because I enjoy great coffee. I roast my own coffee and I hand grind my own coffee. When I say hand grind, I literally use a manual hand grinder that creates a nice, super fine espresso grind. And I've tried these coffees and they are exceptional. Fresh, great full body flavor, limited bitterness, actually not at all. Just great coffee. So I really encourage you to check it out. Mystore.com is where you're going to find the my coffee. So mystore.com forward slash bards is the Bards Nation's landing page. And there you're going to find my coffee. And it's new, it's great priced. And you get two different sizes. You can get up to the two pound bag, which is the one to get if you drink a lot of coffee. So check it out. You won't be disappointed. And while you're there, check out all the other great products, all American made products right there. That's fantastic. Well, Patriots, I'm going to start tonight with a piece. It's an old piece, and it's, but I, I think most people have probably heard it, but it's really well, worth remembering and hearing again as we start talking about tonight's stuff a little bit. Take a listen. If I were the devil, if I were the devil, if I were the prince of darkness, I'd want to engulf the whole world in darkness. And I'd have a third of its real estate and four-fifths of its population, but I wouldn't be happy until I had seized the ripest apple on the tree. The. So I'd set about, however necessary, to take over the United States. I'd subvert the churches first. I'd begin with a campaign of whispers. With the wisdom of a serpent, I would whisper to you as I whispered to Eve, do as you please. To the young, I would whisper that the Bible is a myth, I would convince them that man created God instead of the other way around. I would confide that what's bad is good and what's good is square. And the old I would teach to pray after me, our Father, which art in Washington. And then I'd get organized. I'd educate authors in how to make lurid literature exciting so that anything else would appear dull and uninteresting. I'd threaten TV with dirtier movies and vice versa. I'd peddle narcotics to whom I could. I'd sell alcohol to ladies and gentlemen of distinction. I'd tranquilize the rest with pills. If I were the devil, I'd soon have families at war with themselves, churches at war with themselves, and nations at war with themselves until each in its turn was consumed. And with promises of higher ratings, I'd have mesmerizing media fanning the flames. If I were the devil, I would encourage schools to refine young intellects, but neglect to discipline emotions, just let those run wild. Until before you knew it, you'd have to have drug-sniffing dogs and metal detectors at every schoolhouse door. Within a decade, I'd have prisons overflowing, I'd have judges promoting pornography, Soon I could evict God from the courthouse, then from the schoolhouse, and then from the houses of Congress. And in his own churches I would substitute psychology for religion and deify science. I would lure priests and pastors into misusing boys and girls and church money. If I were the devil, I'd make the symbol of Easter an egg and the symbol of Christmas a bottle. If I were the devil, I'd take from those who have and give to those who wanted until I had killed the incentive of the ambitious. And what'll you bet? I couldn't get whole states to promote gambling as the way to get rich. I would caution against extremes in hard work, in patriotism, in moral conduct. I would convince the young that marriage is old-fashioned, that swinging is more fun, that what you see on TV is the way to be. 
and thus I could undress you in public, and I could lure you into bed with diseases for which there is no cure. In other words, if I were the devil, I'd just keep right on doing what he's doing. Paul Harvey. Good day. Paul Harvey, 1965. <clears throat> and here we are. Everything that he stated in there has happened and continues to happen every single day. This is the war, and it's been being waged our entire life, right before our very eyes. And the target has been our relationship with God. Not just our relationship with God, but who we really are. I'm just going to forewarn you tonight. I'm going to walk into some areas a bit that are probably going to make some people uncomfortable. What I'm going to tell you is if you're uncomfortable, that's probably a good thing. Take it to prayer. Don't get upset. But I am going to push the window a bit tonight. Because there's a lot about us that I truly believe that our churches don't teach that the watered-down faith that we get obscures that by the hand of those that are in power, it's intentional because they know truly how amazing we are. And that's what they're truly afraid of, is that we are going to wake up to realize what it is to be the children of God. I want to start with this because someone mentioned the other night in chat, and it was just a comment, that we must be very cautious what they said, of dominion theology. And dominion theology is essentially, if you want to say honestly, I hate when people throw around words like this because it's just a categorized words to tell people not to listen. And there's no substance. Because dominion theology is a lot of things. The extremism of dominion theology is to believe that man is God. And the reason that that comment came up is because of the verses that I speak regularly here on what God has created within us. Two, in fact. Luke 10, 19. Behold, I have given you authority to walk on snakes and scorpions and authority over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will injure you. By definition, that's dominion. And it's dominion over the enemy. And it's dominion working in concert with and God working through us. See, the biggest problem that we have, I believe, is in this modern day, we have a difficulty realizing as, and I say we, it does not mean those that follow Christ, if this is how you, if you agree with this, but as a collective whole, we miss the point that we are all part of God. And it's that collective whole that has been given authority and dominion over this world. But we don't see that. We see individuals' pieces. And then there is this, John 14, 12. Truly, truly, I say to you, the one who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I am going to the Father. Both of those are Christ's words, red letter language. Both of those are pre-cross So I'm going to just say it bluntly. If those were an exaggeration, because they're not parable and they're not metaphor, but if someone says that those are exaggeration and they don't mean what they mean, this is one of these cases then that you have to say then that Christ was lying or exaggerating, which would make it impossible for him to be the son of God. What is said there has real meaning if we understand what it is to be truly one in the body of Christ and walking with God. It means that we are tremendously capable and powerful as the being God's created us in us, not this lowly, flesh-ridden, burdensome cancer that they want us to believe that we are. And they have been extremely effective. That whole piece of by Paul Harvey has mapped out actually their entire strategy in 1965 to how they have managed to separate us from our true sense of who we are. And in so doing, disarmed us and created us as victims by our own hand. We've enslaved ourselves. 
and we put ourselves right here. See, I, I have this very strong belief, and it all roots on a, on a, some, a number of principles. One is quantum physics, and the other is a couple of passages. One is moving a mountain from here to there, and the other is the faith of a mustard seed. See, that doesn't, if, you, if you're talking about moving a mountain from here to there, I don't believe it's telekinesis, and I don't think it's um, sits here and you meditate on it and the mountain physically gets up and walks down the way. But I do believe that we have the power within us if we are truly working through the body of Christ to morph reality as quantum physics does. In other words, to choose and change reality. That's... That's quantum. All realities exist simultaneously, and we have the ability to move through them. You see, that would make a lot of sense if we were really capable of doing that in our true core, why they have gone to such effort to try to degrade us. Think about all the things that are being done. They put barium and aluminum in the, in the atmosphere. They have poisoned food. They have put fluoride in the water to, in, to calcify the pineal gland. They have poisoned us with chemicals. They have poisoned our food. They have tried to separate us from the earth. They have put us into concrete paradises so that we can't actually touch the earth because we have to step on asphalt or concrete before we actually be in between us and the earth. They have pushed us into a world where we have become shoppers instead of creators. We've become subject to the worship of our bank accounts rather than the worship of God. We've had God stripped away from anything. If we dare speak God boldly in public, you're considered a crazy freak fanatic. Why all that effort? Why? Why is all the effort? And the one thing that keeps coming up is apparently they're not succeeding very well because everything they do, this perfect body temple somehow keeps seeming to find a way to right itself but it gets, keeps getting degraded. And part of the reason it gets degraded is we as the, the occupiers of this temple start to believe their nonsense. We start to believe that we are lesser than we are. We start to believe the lies. And we have seen it. Each one of us is, has that burden put upon us. How much we believe it is up to us. But the whole point is our whole life, our whole narrative around us has been shaped by the idea we're just mortal human beings that are complete sinners and we're just here to basically endure the time, accept Christ, watch the clock. Hopefully he'll come back in your lifetime. If not, hope that you did a good enough job so that you get a bump up in heaven and you can do be on your way. That does not fit scripturally because scripturally there, it is a war that's been going on a war between good and evil. And somehow in this time in our life, somehow that war got translated to sit in the pew, pray, peace at any cost. When you get out of here, good, check the box, see you in the next life. That's not real. What is real is we are in a war with an enemy that is very devious and has been working on the psychological attack for years to try to win at the one place that they think they probably can win because apparently all of this poisoning and things, our body temples have proven to be stronger and stronger. They almost succeeded with this injection. And for those that are, are now trapped in that matrix, it's a very difficult path. But here's what we also know. I don't think anybody would dispute this. Anybody that has taken the injection, they cannot be cured medically. That's, that's almost a universal acceptance now. But the more people study this, the more they experience the relationship with Christ, this is what almost all of them are saying, and we have all said it here and agreed on it here. You can be healed by the blood of Jesus if you repent and turn yourself back to God. That doesn't mean right away, but it can happen. Because we're all part of God. And this is where all of this 
right now is coming down to is the war of where we really sit. This is the valley of decision. It is the battle line of battle lines. And they're not done. And we have a lot of fight left to do. I'm going to reference something Q said, which has really been racking my head for a while. And I want to bring it up because it has a very dark side to it. And this is going to probably get under some people's skin. So forewarning, I probably should give a trigger warning, but I don't really believe that good God-fearing people are triggered. I just think they can get easily riled. So don't get riled. Please listen. We're going to save Israel for last. So here's the problem. And it's the problem that's been structured and woven into our churches and into our belief system. Israel's not run by the Israelites. It's run by the Jews that are in at the center. Their center point is Ukraine. They are the Karzarian Jews, the Karzarian Mafia. That's their lineage. They chose Judaism. They are not the true line of Judah or of the Israelites. And it's an important priest to understand that as well, Israel today, that so many people worship, do the migrations to, do all this, talk about it in churches, defending Israel, sending them money, talked about protecting them as a class of people. There's a problem here because that Israel that we know today was purchased by the Rothschilds. And that's the Israel that we're tying into Scripture. I have a problem with that. Fundamentally, I have a problem with it all the way around. Because it's all part of this twisted history that it keeps getting woven into our narratives of faith And when we start getting wrapped around the axle about defending a country like that, which, by the way, Israel has a 90% vaccination rate, just thought I'd tell you that, and they're in bed with Pfizer, that doesn't add up, does it? See, this is the problem that we're heading into right now, and it's a dangerous one. It's It's the one that Paul Harvey was talking about, but at another level. If you save Israel for last and you pop the cork on the fact that the real Jews that we thought were the real Jews were really the Khazarian mafia, and then you start popping the cork on the realities of what's in the Catholic Church, there's a cascade of events that will be guaranteed to happen, and people will reject faith. And if I was the devil, I would lead people right to that edge and I would rip that scab right open and I'd say, look who you've been worshiping. And as people step back in horror to realize what they have, their churches had been preaching and all of these ugly things, I'd let them have disappointment and then I would present an alternative a universal religion, one that doesn't have those problems of those old rituals, a universal religion that is about people, human, human, human people coming together to be better, guided by a benevolent force that would be able to work with us together in concert, a benevolent AI, an artificial intelligence that would be so big and so vast It has all the data. It can help us solve big problems. Big problems that we humans created because we are the burden. It wasn't the industry. It wasn't the Council of 300. It wasn't the Council of Nine. It wasn't the Black Pope or the Jesuits. It wasn't this global one world order or this Nazi world order. It was the people that created the problem because we're defunct, we're degenerate, we're sinners. All we do is we just live to consume because we can't control ourselves because that's all we're worth. We're just worthless beings. And even in church, you're taught that you are a sinner. Even God says you are a sinner and you're worthless. But we're here to tell you you're not. Because what we have instead is this amazing new way of being together. 
We can reject the old arcane things where churches were waging war for religion and killing mercilessly over these arcane belief systems. Now we're going to rise up as one humankind. No more tomfoolery like there happened here. No more deceptions of worshiping the wrong Israel. But instead, we're going to worship this new one world religion. We're all going to come together under one house. And what do you bet? A whole bunch of people are going to pack it in. They're going to take their Bibles. They're going to tuck them away or put them at the used bookstore. They're going to seek out this new group. And better yet, is you're going to find out that the these priests of the new temples They're going to be amazingly brilliant and smart because they're all going to have this new tech integrated with them. They're going to be able to connect with the great AI God. They're going to be able to provide great wisdom and insight as to how we can better live. Sounds pretty crazy. Problem is we're closer to that than I think most people realize. And we're heading into it in high speed. And it comes down to, unfortunately, this relationship with Jesus. It isn't intimate for many people. It's just a check the box. It's that turn and burn reborn that has the baptismal in church, does a bit of a confession, and away they go. And it's this concept that now I'm forgiven for my sins, and it's okay. I know I'm going to sin, but that's I'm just a sinner. I'm worthless. See, that's not the way God would want us to be. He wouldn't want us to be groveling and pig shit. What he wants is us to be honest in our heart. He wants us to come to him with what we've done. He sacrificed his son to give us that gateway right to him. And he wants us to open his, our heart, to be honest, to show it, and then to stand up and fight. But the devil knows this. And the devil knows that since he can work the machines of influence and he can get the various corrupted beings in power to start putting on the guilt and guilt from the pulpit and guilt from here and guilt from there, that sooner or later that beautiful love of God gets more distant. We start to believe that we can't possibly be loved by God because we're such evil sinners. God's love is always there. He's never left us, but we don't tell ourselves that. We make big mistakes. We get we trip up in life, and then we're we're we find people afraid to come to Jesus because, in their mind and what they've been told, I'm not worthy. This is the world that's been fabricated around us, and we have to be very careful not to trap ourselves within these idols and these idolatry traps of worship, of falseness. We have to get to the place of being pure in our heart, coming to Jesus, showing Jesus who we are, having that relationship with Jesus. Oh, we're, we sin. I don't, don't ever think that. But it's a matter, a matter of are we going to carry it and grovel on the ground and feel worthless? Or are we going to stand up and be the warriors in Christ that we need to be? And if we're not careful with all of these other things thrown about us, we can easily get tripped up and fall into that trap and get confused by the corruption of the pulpit that has happened in many of our churches, not all, and not distinguish between the corruption of the pulpit and that beautiful relationship that Christ is offering us in the intimacy and love that he has. And it's more than just intimacy and love, it's strength. 
It's profound strength. It's the ability to step away from these two by these two worlds. It's always one and zero. Christ's way is not one and zero. It's always another path either. And it's usually right down the middle because it's the path of wisdom. And we see that time and again. We see that with Joshua who meets the captain of the Lord's army. Are you with us? Or are you against us? And the response is no. I just love that moment. In other words, neither. I'm here representing the Lord. And you could take that further into an understood discussion, which would be, and I'm not going to get wrapped up in your foolish bipolar world. It's much more sophisticated than that because God is not that ridiculous. We are in an amazing, amazing time. A beautiful time to explore, to find, to discover, to dig deep into a beautiful and passionate relationship with Jesus and through Christ to the Father. And Father's just sitting there pouring out all that we need. But there's a significant step to make. Each one of us has to do it. It's a choice. Because at the end of the day, we all have free will. And some right now are overburdened with this idea of what's happened with this vax. I've said here recently that we fought that fight. We did everything we could to keep them from taking it. It's done now. That's done. But we also know if we truly believe in the power of what Christ offers us, that we have been given authority over the power of the enemy. Then that also means, as he says, and greater works than these he will do. That means that with Christ, not, not some rogue element because you've got a superpower like magic wonder twins with rings uniting, none of that garbage. With Christ. That means that we can bring those that have been damaged by this vax back and help them back to the kingdom, guide them, lead them, and through their repentance, show them how they can seek true healing in this world. In other words, the devil would lose. The problem I don't think we believe it. And I don't think enough of us believe it. Where two or three are gathered, but we're also reminded in Gideon that 300 can topple a massive army. We have to believe it. And not just in word, but in our hearts, the deepest part. And not just as a general casting of a net though I think that's possible too. I truly believe this war could end literally in a flash. Giving you my honest statement, you can take it, leave it, tell me I'm crazy, I don't care. This is what I believe. I believe that if we had two or three, the more the merrier, that had such a true alignment with Jesus, had such a pure heart for Christ. I believe that that prayer to end this would literally end it. And evil would be cast out. But that's what they know. And that's why I think they, meaning the evil, is so fearful of us. Because this isn't just vengeance we're dealing with here or hatred for us. This is fear. This constant churning of narratives, this constant push of a negative image of fear porn that they're constantly putting on us is a reflection out of their own heart. They need to make sure that we are fearful because it's the one thing that God tells us over 365 times in, a, in Scripture Fear not. Why? Because it's the one thing that detaches us from the true power of the connection with him. Because once we start to fear, we start to look into the mortal side of our life instead of the power and gift of God. And what do they do all the time? 
constantly churning this garbage. Constantly turning, 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 turning. And when you sit back and you look at this movie that we're watching, you have to start asking yourself, why does the script keep doing the same thing? Why do they keep replaying the same garbage, the same, the same playbook every single time? I think most people have, I would hope most people have played sports. I've played football. I've wrestled. I've rode crew. Everything has a strategy. I've done martial arts. Everything has a strategy. I've raced bikes. Everything has a strategy. And this is what you know about strategy. No strategy, if you're going to win, ever is static. But this strategy is static. It means it's the same thing over and over. It just takes another image or another personality, but they do the same thing over and over, which tells me that they know that if they don't stay to that, that they will lose. They can't be honest because if they are, they will lose. They can't speak truth because if they do, they will lose. They can't let up on the fear because they know if they do, there's a chance that we might just really discover the true glory of what God has within us, and they will not just lose. They will be erased. We are such amazing beings. We haven't even begun to touch the the beginning of the magnificence that we are. That to me is the inheritance that we have no idea that awaits for us. When I look at the world and I see how much effort they make to open portals to do whatever they do at CERN, I ask myself, why? We come up with all sorts of stories. We tell ourselves because they're trying to find this particle or that, or they're trying to travel in space. Whatever it is, they're trying to do what God can do and probably what God gave us to do. We just have lost touch with that. And that's the key. That's why they need us out of the way. That's why they need us dumbed down. That's why they need us not paying attention. That's why they need us believing we can't. If there is one singular theme in everything they do besides fear, it's the negative. It's telling us we can't and convincing us that we can't. And nowhere does God say we can't? And yet that's all they do. That tells me that whatever God has within us is so incredible, so amazing, that they are so fearful of it that they have to constantly repeat the same thing over and over and over and over and over to convince us to not really believe what God has within us, to convince us not to really pay attention to the details of Scripture, but instead believe this sort of whitewash stuff and especially that overburdensome thing of you're a sinner. And just believe that. If we could just get them to believe they're a sinner, we've got this halfway one, which is partly true. Again, of course we sin. Christ died on the cross for our sins. But if we can get them to believe it, they would say, and say it over and over and over and get them to internalize it and get them to believe that they are worthless, that they are not worthy. We've beat them by their own free will. Why would we not be worthy? God created us and we've fallen, but God's never left us. Christ died for our sins, God's only son, and we're not worthy? And yet how many times have I heard people quote that to me? I am not worthy. Okay. I don't buy it. I think God thinks that we're amazingly worthy because here's the other thing. God doesn't need us, yet God continues to love us. See, we're amazing. We're an amazing people. We're an amazing creation. And we just have to start believing it. This war is not that big a deal. In the movement of things, we already won this if we believe it. This evil has got nothing on you. How many times do I hear people say to me, man, they, they've just, all they keep doing is just trying to, they're going to come at us again. They're going to force this thing on us. They're going to force the vax on us. And I always say the same thing. Prove to me one time that they forced you to do anything. 
And every time I bring it up, everybody stops. Well, at work, right. Were you forced or did you have, did you make a choice? Well, it was a choice between my job or work. Right. But did they force you? No. Did they apply pressure on you? Of course. This entire fight has been about our free will. And it has come down to a simple question. Do you trust and truly trust in God or do you walk in the conformity space and worrying of not conforming to the fear which they've put before you? In other words, do you walk in fear or not? It ends when we finally wake up to that. When we finally wake up to all this kabuki theater, including politics, is just there to keep your eyes off of the most important thing. It's not money. They're trying to tell you now that you're going to have to have digital money. You're going to have to do this or that. I keep saying that if these things were such a good idea, why aren't they openly discussing it with humankind? Because they know it's whatever they've got coming. I don't care what side you vote for. They know very well it's not what we want or what we need, but it's what they need, and they don't want to give you the whole details. They're going to give you a story, or we can't let the enemy know, we can't let the other enemy know. That's garbage. That's a war between themselves. Why? What is it in there that benefits the people? No one knows because no one's talking about it, because in the end, when they don't tell you, you better figure it's probably not a good deal at the end. And I don't care whether you vote Republican or Democrat, it's the same stupid game. But put all that aside, what's the one thing, the one pure thing they don't want you really focused on? And I think we can all be honest and say there is one, and they work overtime to destroy it. They do not want eyes on Christ. They do not want eyes to the Father. Because when we do that, we no longer pay attention to them. We win by putting our eyes on Christ and shutting them off. And when we finally put our trust in God that we will be handled and he will guide us in all things, they have no power on us. It's that simple. And when we put our eyes on Jesus and we say, I am with you, I walk where you point me, I do as you say, because we are all part of one body. When we put our full trust in that, this cabal, this evil, whatever this is, it'll have a fit. Don't think it won't. It will throw a fit. Don't think it won't. And if we sit back and just let it kick and scream like a child does when they're having their little meltdown, let it run. Have a sip of tea. Smile. Thank God for the opportunity of the great seats. Enjoy the show. Because the real show, the real one, that real movie, that's the one that they're playing for us and we're sitting in God's camp, in in God's theater, watching them as they try to play all their antics and we just smile push back into Father, and we know something. He can't touch us. There's no weapon that can be forged against us. And we're comfy with Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we come to you tonight just very humbled. The opportunity just to reflect on the beauty and the glory of all that you give us. By the way, sometimes we just need to take time to pay attention to what surrounds us, the little things, the amazing things, birth, life, breath, the touch of our feet on the earth, the perfection of all that you've created in a world that tries to constantly deny it, in a world that constantly stirs and muddles the water, to try to confuse people, to make them believe that somehow in this perfection of 
the world in which we live, in this universe that you have so masterfully created, within the temples that are so perfectly designed, that somehow this all came out of primordial goo. It's not only dumb, it's a stupid thesis, and we know it. And so with that, we smile. We open our hearts to you. We thank you for all that you have brought us, all that you continue to shower upon us. We ask for the forgiveness for those times when we've doubted, those times when we walk away, we're more obsessed about material things or money. We've made those mistakes. Forgive us, Father. But here are our hearts. We're here. We're going to tuck ourselves into your theater, Father. We're tucking ourselves into your arms. We're here for the long run. We're blessed for the forgiveness and the love and the joy and the power and the glory that you've put before us. We have no words to express the sacrifice made for us to bring us to this point. For Jesus to literally have given all for us and our sins. Let us not forget that, Father. We've, we've, sometimes we overburden ourselves with the stupid things in life and we forget the importance of the real things. And in this walk, as we do, let us remember to keep that armor around us so that that garbage that they keep throwing at us just bounces off. That we keep our eyes on Christ. We keep our eyes walking to where you need us to be. We never bow, we never relent, and we continue to climb. And we know that with this, even when it looks impossible, you're always there to show us it's possible. And for us to let go of all these negatives of the things that we can't to start believing that we can. And stop listening to all the things that are wrong and start focusing all the things that are beautiful and right by your creation. And to simply let that other world go to sleep. And to let our thoughts and our prayers and our eyes to see and our ears to hear be tuned in to one frequency, yours. Guide us, Father. Forgive us, bless us. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. We're just great people. That's what I know. And we're, we're difficult and we're sometimes like penchant children, and sometimes we're a little timid, and sometimes we're a little too bold. Sometimes we're loud, sometimes we're quiet. Sometimes we pop off with things we wish we wouldn't have said, and then we're like, oops. Other times we get wrapped up in a bit of anger, but you know all that, what's amazing? God knows all that. There's nothing that surprises him. He's not afraid of it. As a good father, he's letting us grow. And in this time, the most amazing part is that everything that we have done in our lives is part of us becoming more perfect in him. That includes our stumbles and the things that we beat ourselves up over or our things that we feel burdened by. It helps us get deeper and stronger and more beautiful. It's what helps us grow up. And he knows it. He's known it from the beginning. We just have to start believing more deeply in how beautiful and amazing we are. And why, and start asking the question, which is the big one. Why do they fear us so much? Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil, never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He will never forsake us. And our prayers just need to be about that relationship. Open your heart. Speak truth. Let him see it all. Don't hide anything. If you need something healed, ask. If you need to understand why you do something, ask. If you are concerned about spiritual attack and you're asking why, Ask God to reveal. If you're stressed about something, talk to Father. Because he's an amazing Father. And he's there to be with us, to live with us, to experience all this, and to 
help us become as great as he ever dreamed we would be. And yes, in the end, he will always win. But he's never given up on us. We are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We're at war. And to be honest, I think he's pretty much selected his A-team. So let's start owning it. Walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land, expand the kingdom, and keep that mission forward. Patriots, I hope you have a very blessed night. I will see you tomorrow afternoon for Bended Knee. Until then, or until the next time. God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. All this time we had to prove that we could stand here too. All the nights been pushing through, fight for all we had to lose. Reaching out for something to pull us up to the level ground. Oh, I can see it now. I can see it now.